Let's, uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. We'll get straight into our main passage for this morning. Galatians chapter 1. And as Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, he's got a bone to pick with them. He is appalled at how quickly the church has fallen away from the gospel which he preached. He uh, planted this church. He founded it. He brought up the, the elders and uh, the leadership team, presumably, in this church. And yet he finds that very quickly they've abandoned the gospel message that he entrusted to them. Galatians 1 verse 6, he says, I marvel that you were turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel or to another gospel. A gospel which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So notice the Galatian church has fallen for a different gospel or a different good news. We could say it's a a fake or a counterfeit good news. And it's promoted by those who want to pervert or distort the true gospel. These are false teachers or false prophets. Verse 8, but even if we, that is the apostles, even if we the apostles, we could say church leaders, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So Paul says, even if me or Peter or James or any of the apostles preach to you anything different than the gospel I first gave to you, ignore that person. Even more than that, let that man be accursed. That is, uh, the, the word is anathema, which is get them out of the church, basically. And it's not just possibly false teachers or false prophets. He also says an angel from heaven. Now, an angel that is cooperating, working in allegiance with God would not preach a different gospel. So this angel would have to be a fallen angel, but disguised as a good one working for God. So really, whether it's from an angel or whether it's from a false teacher or a false prophet, the true source of origin of these false gospels is Satan. Satan is in the business of making, creating, and peddling false and counterfeit gospels, counterfeit good news. Now, that's interesting. Often when we think of Satan, we think of him uh, only doing evil things. So creating a counterfeit gospel is certainly an evil thing, but on the surface to someone who hears it, it sounds like good News. That's what a gospel is, good news. So Satan is trying to spread false good news to the world. And it's something that we need to be on the lookout for. But gospels or good news are really only a small piece of a larger puzzle. They make up part of an entire worldview that you have. And a complete worldview will answer the following questions. The first Why is there evil? Now, 
a, a technical term for this is a theodicy. A theodicy is just a fancy way of saying an explanation for the problem of evil. Why is there evil? That's all a theodicy is. So, why is there evil? That's the first question. The second question then is, how can I be personally saved from this evil? That's the question of individual personal salvation. And then the third question is, how can the world globally be saved from evil? On a universal scale, how do we solve the problem of evil? And when you have all three of these answers, you'll have a a full worldview through which to uh, have a lens and look at the world around you. So what is the Seventh-day Adventist answer to these questions? Well, why is there evil? We would say it has to do with the great controversy. Satan rebels in heaven. He makes accusations against God and his character, saying that he's a tyrant, he's unloving, he's undeserving of worship. And God allows Satan the opportunity to demonstrate his rule. If, if Satan was to be worshipped in the place of God, what would that look like? And in so doing, the evil character of Satan is exposed and the righteous good character of God is vindicated. So put simply, the great controversy theme is why there is evil in the world. How is one personally saved from evil? Well, the tricky thing is all of us as humans contribute to the evil in the world. And because of that, we are rightfully under God's judgment. And yet Jesus takes the penalty for us. He atones with his sacrifice so that we can be saved from that judgment. As we looked at in our Sabbath school lesson, there are various ways in which the life and the ministry and the death of Jesus solve this problem of sin and evil. And finally, how can the world globally be safe from evil? We look forward to God restoring the earth to its original state as was found in Eden. That's pretty simple. This is pretty standard Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. And what I find so beautiful about it is it's biblically based, it's prophetically given, it's an all-compassing worldview, and it's simple. It's very simple to understand. And it is, most importantly, completely sufficient to answer all questions that arise about the problem of evil. If ever we have questions about why evil things are happening in the world around us, the great controversy and our understanding of salvation, the gospel good news is sufficient to explain it. And this includes even the problems we see around us today to do with COVID, whether it's the deaths, the sicknesses, poor mental health and closing of businesses due to lockdowns, families unable to visit each other, the growing polarization and division between people and countries around the world and even in Australia. All of these can be explained by the great controversy theme. And yet, in spite of the sufficiency of the great controversy, many Seventh-day Adventists are substituting it for a false gospel, substituting the good news of salvation with a counterfeit good news, a counterfeit answer to the problem of evil. And as the the impact of COVID-19 is felt by all Australians, including 
those of us in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, many are no longer choosing to rely on the great controversy theme to give them answers to the problem of evil, but are instead turning to other gospels or perversions of the true gospel. So then to where to are so many Adventists running to replace this great controversy theme with? I propose to you that there is a growing development and a growing movement within our church in which we are replacing the great controversy theme with man-made beliefs and theories to do with the world around us. In particular, whether or not we find this a useful term, uh, however you would view this term, I think it's an accurate way of summarizing it. Many Adventists are choosing to replace the great controversy with conspiracy theories. And it makes sense because there's a natural attraction towards such theories because they answer the problem of evil. When we look at the problems in our world today, we want to know why it seems the government keeps making poor decisions. Why is it that taxes go up or go down? Why is it that wars start and end? We want answers desperately to these things. Even as we remember the events of today, uh, 20 years ago, as Rodney has said, we want to know what is the answer behind the great evils we see in the world. And in Australia, unfortunately, a large percentage of our antagonism towards uh, the government or towards anything related to COVID has been in a large part fueled by such theories. What are some of these theories that we that you may have encountered? Well, first of all, it's important to understand what is the unifying fundamental belief that each of these theories has. There are lots of different ones, but each of them have one unifying fundamental belief, which is that an evil cabal secretly controls world events with the aim of creating a one-world government, or as it is sometimes referred to as a new world order. This is the unifying belief. Now, of course, you'll find exceptions to the rule. We're speaking in general terms. And in particular, the theories that we would encounter often today. So what are some examples? Well, one of the earliest theories that surrounded the creation and the the spread of COVID was that it had something to do with 5G towers. 5G didn't just boost your phone signal, it created or caused COVID, or at the very least, it would affect your immune system to make you more susceptible. Now, in order to ascribe to that theory, these towers which have been installed by the government, it necessitates the government is up to something shifty and nefarious. And the idea is that the towers are being installed so that the government can take totalitarian control of the country under the pretext of health concerns. That's one of the examples. Another is that by some measure, perhaps a microchip or a tracking device is being 
implanted in the vaccines so the government can do a mass surveillance on the population. And again, this is in order so that they can create this all-encompassing government. And these, these ideas have had a massive spread and influence in Australia. So what is the, according to the theory, why is it that we see evil in the world around us? Well, COVID is, first of all, created. It was a, it's a manufactured disease for the purposes of creating this totalitarian government. So the question then is, well, who is spreading these theories? Where do we get these theories from? Where do these ideas come from? They don't come from thin air. Where do such ideas derive from? There are lots of different sources and lots of different variations of the idea uh, of the secret cabal that runs the world. There's many different streams of thought. But the most influential during COVID and especially in Australia have been proposed by uh, conspiracy theorist David Icke and what is referred to as the QAnon movement. Ike was one of the very first to promote the, the 5G idea. He's been a key speaker at protest events in the UK, and he also ascribes to uh, these ideas. And the QAnon movement is basically a sister movement to David Icke. They go hand in hand. In fact, QAnon has been so influential in Australia that the March, July, and I believe August... Uh, large protests across Australia were actually organised, not originally by Australians, but by a German group called the Free uh, Sovereign Citizens of Kessel, who are a QAnon group. And it was a QAnon group which actually began and instigated the protests that we found in Australia this year. So make no mistake, there is a big influence in QAnon and Ike in how Australians are perceiving uh, events to do with COVID. So what then do we make of people like Ike and the QAnon movement? If they are so impactful in Australia and in the Adventist church, what do they believe? Where do their beliefs come from? Well, let's begin with David Ike, this person uh, who, mind you, his website is in the top 10,000 websites searched. If you think about how many websites there are in the world, that is quite high ranking. So he is a very influential voice. So what does Ike believe? Well, Ike's main belief is that a race of shape-shifting reptilian aliens is secretly running the world with the aim of enforcing a global government. It's his belief that these aliens visited millions of years ago and they mated with human women to create a hybrid reptilian human race. This race he refers to as the Babylonian Brotherhood, and they make up all the family bloodlines of kings and queens and emperors and rulers throughout Earth's history. This includes the British royal family, all of the rich banking families, every global elitist, most of today's politicians, they are all secretly shape-shifting reptilian aliens. And the aim of these aliens is to enslave the human race, pay, put themselves in positions of authority and influence to create a totalitarian government. 
These rulers and these royals, they meet underground where they kidnap children, sexually abuse them, drink their blood to give them eternal life and engage in sexual rituals. And this is also where they plot and scheme how they will next rule the world. And of course, according to Ike, COVID-19 is one such scheme that this Babylonian brotherhood invented to dull the senses of humanity. Now, what's interesting is Ike's belief is that the purpose of this is to dull the senses of humanity so that they are incapable of realizing the inner divinity which they have inside of them. That, that these things such as 5G or vaccines is being used to suppress the human's ability to recognize their own godhood. I hope uh, I don't have to underscore too much how preposterous Ike's idea is in these reptilian aliens. What about the QAnon movement? Well, the QAnon movement began with an anonymous person calling himself Q, and he began posting messages online in which he supposedly revealed that Democrat politicians were part of a Satan-worshipping, child-sacrificing, cannibalistic, pedophilic, secret cabal. These politicians supposedly met underground where they would sexually abuse kidnapped children, ritually sacrifice them, and drink their blood to give them eternal life. And these politicians are referred to as the deep state, and their goal is to eradicate all freedom from America and eventually the world, and are doing so through the use of covert Now, if that sounds familiar to Ike's theory, it should. It is the exact same theory, just minus the lizards. The only difference is the the people who are secretly working in the shadows are not lizards. They just happen to be people. And that's why QAnon is in itself a sister theory or a sister movement to David Icke. It is the exact same theory. It derives its beliefs and ideologies from the exact same origin, just minus the shape-shifting reptilian aliens. And yet it is, again, the QAnon movement that has been behind many of the protests here in Australia and is influencing many of our uh, church members. So how are these cabals working according to Ike? We have shape-shifting reptilians invading the earth. They assume positions of political power and then create COVID, so on and so forth. And QAnon is the same. We have a, a deep state assuming political power. It's the same thing, just minus the reptiles. What should be more worrying, however, to us as Adventists is where Ike got his ideas from. So we first asked the question, where does the theory come from? And we found the most popular voices are those such as Ike and QAnon. So the question is, where then does Ike get his ideas from? Well, Ike received his ideas with the help of a friend of his, a psychic called Betty Shine. And this psychic revealed to him that following him was a deceased spiritual guru, an ascended master or a spiritual guide. And that this spiritual guide wanted to give Ike wisdom. Eventually, this spiritual guide would introduce Ike to a variety of other spiritual gurus, all with the aim of giving Ike secret, esoteric, occult knowledge 
to try and expose the reptilian agenda. A later experience he had was with a medium, Deborah Shaw, and this medium actually lived with Ike and his wife for quite some time. Shaw claimed to have contacted two alien spirits, extraterrestrials, who told Ike that the earth was in danger, quote, because the Christian church had perverted the teachings of Jesus and it was up to him to correct it. Ike received his ideas about exposing this reptilian agenda, exposing this deep state, if you will, the secret cabal from a psychic and a medium from deceased spirits who told him not only that he had to expose the reptilian agenda, but he had to expose the Christian church as it had been preaching a false gospel. The irony here is intense, that Ike is visited by a demonic presence that tells him his mission is to reveal that the Christian church is preaching a false gospel and that his gospel is the true one. Now, after these experiences that he had, Ike began to publish a variety of books on the New Age, and it was his belief that New Age practices could release a person's inner divinity. And by doing so, they would be free from the oppression of the reptilians. So not only now have we found Ike's views to be quite unverifiable and questionable, but they have been given to him by demonic spirits for the purposes of replacing the Christian gospel. It was given to him by fallen angels for the purpose of propagating a rival or counterfeit gospel. And Sadly to say, they have succeeded quite well. A poll found that 12% of Americans believed Ike's theory to be true. 12% of Americans believed that their politicians were secretly reptiles controlling these world events. So what is the the worldview of theodicy of David Ike? Ah, before then... Uh, so this is the origins. He had two origins, uh, Betty Shine, his psychic, and Deborah Shaw, his medium. The first told him this message to promote the new age, and the second told him to tell the world Christianity is a counterfeit. And both of them were through channel or psychic mediums, uh, through evil spirits. So in effect, this is so important, in effect... If we choose to accept this part, the the reptilians, or even if you don't want the reptilians, just corrupt politicians and all of these things, where does the source take us? Right here. We need to be very, very careful in where we receive our sources of information. Uh, I do want to be clear as well that uh, a Seventh-day Adventist can disagree with these things and have different views on these things and not have had necessarily this influence. But we need to be aware of what are the voices we're hearing and where are they coming from. And one of the leading voices, this uh, David Icke, if we trace where his beliefs come from, it's not somewhere that we should be interested in following.
So what is David Icke's theodicy? What's his worldview? Well, he says the reason there is evil is because of the reptilian aliens, the ones who are trying to control the world. How can I be personally saved from evil? Awaken your inner divinity using New Age practices and abandon the Christian gospel while you're at it. And how can the world be saved from evil globally? Well, we all need to do the same. We all need to unleash our inner divinity. Now, comparing that with a great controversy theme worldview, do they have anything in common? Not really. God is completely absent from this. Satan is completely absent from this. There's no discussion about the character of God, nothing to do with the law of God, the vindication of God's character. It is a completely different worldview than that of uh, Seventh-day Adventism. And yet we're being very tempted to get some of the ideas from people such as Ike and try and make them fit into a biblical worldview. What about QAnon, the, the one that perhaps Christians are more susceptible to? I just want to give some comparisons to show you how big a deal it is, uh, how much of a counterfeit this is. In the revelation God gives us, the Messiah is Jesus. According to Q, it is Donald Trump. Now, this is not a political statement at all. Q believed that Donald Trump was going to be the one to expose the deep state and get rid of all of them. He was the Messiah figure of this movement. Well, still is. QAnon has a prophet. We have John the Apostle who gives us the book of Revelation. Q is the prophet of QAnon. Whatever he says online, that's scripture. And people have been collecting the sayings of Q and they share it. They've made themselves a Q Bible, essentially. There are also religious leaders. In the church, we have pastors who interpret the words of John. In Q, they have decoders. Here's why you would need a decoder. Here's a message uh, from Q. Blunt and direct time. Adam Schiff is a traitor to our country. Leader, full stuff. NatSec, evil, TikTok. Hope the 7.8 millions was worth it. Enjoy the show. Q. Very cryptic, very unusual. And all of his messages are like this. They're nearly impossible to understand. And again, remember, Q is completely anonymous. No one even knows who this person is. Why are we trusting the words of some stranger online rather than the revelation God has given to us? So you need decoders to even figure out what this is. Uh, It does have a sacred text. We have the Bible. QAnon has the Q drops. What is the evil power according to God's revelation? It's Satan and his allies. According to Q, it's this secret cabal, usually made by comprised of Democrat politicians, according to Q. Where is the location of this heavenly power? We read in Ephesians that the the evil powers are in the heavenly places. Q says they're in underground caverns where they torture and do all sorts of terrible things. What is the problem of evil? According to God's revelation, it's sin. This is the primary, primary problem of evil. According to Q, it's the fact that society is controlled by this cabal. So once we overthrow the cabal, the problem of evil is solved. So the means of salvation is not the cross. 
It's we need to wake up to the cabal's methods. What are they doing? How do we resist the cabal? They even had a disappointment event. So we had 1844 was our great disappointment. For QAnon, theirs was the Capitol riot. The QAnon believers believed Trump was the Messiah. He was the one who was going to get rid of the cabal. But of course, when Trump lost the 2020 election, they couldn't understand how their prophecy was supposed to come true. And so many of those, not all, but many of those involved in the Capitol riot on January 6th this year were QAnon followers because it was their desire to reclaim the government and put Trump back. Trump had to do this in order for the prophecy to take place. But of course, that didn't work out. It was a great disappointment event. Now, the, the parallels get increasingly interesting. There's an event needed before judgment, judgment day in both worldviews. According to scripture, we need an end time revival amongst God's people. The Holy Spirit needs to be working in God's people. QAnon believes the same. There has to be an end time revival and they call it the great awakening. I find that particularly interesting because the Seventh-day Adventist movement and the great disappointment event took place during America's second great awakening in which there was this Christian fervor of trying to understand the Bible. And yet this great awakening, this counterfeit great awakening has more to do with new age principles than the Holy Spirit. The time of judgment is the second coming for us. For them, it's an event called the storm. That's what they were looking forward to. Trump uh, doing the storm event where he was going to get rid of all the evil people and he was judge them. But of course, the storm event has not happened. And what does it all result to? What's the utopia to look forward to? For us, it's a new heaven and new earth, fully restored. But for Q, it is simply a restored government and society. When we have finally a good political system in place and the cabal is out, finally, we'll reach our utopia. The amount of parallels that it has to the revelation that God gives us is unsettling, to be honest. It is unusual that there are so many similarities between this movement and between the Christian faith. And yet it seeks to replace every single similarity with something different, something counterfeit. Now, just in briefly talking about the Great Awakening. If you want to properly understand the Great Awakening, I don't think anyone can. It is absolutely impossible. Here's a map put together by a QAnon believer called the Great Awakening Map. Um, there it is. Can you even, you need a magnifying glass to look at it. It's impossible. And the idea is it's because it is trying to explain every single world event that has ever happened. Every single minute detail is connected to something, connected to something, connected to something. All because, again, this idea that cabal has been controlling all world events throughout history. Which even, I think, probably questions the idea of God's sovereignty. But if you have a close-up look at um, different parts of the map, you'll see there's a whole part of it uh, dedicated to Q. Q gets his own full circle, and QAnon does, and you know, all sorts of other stuff. And then the other one you get on the map 
Of course, we have the reptilians. The reptilians are here, the UFOs and all these different uh, alien races that apparently live inside the Earth underground. They're all on the map. And the other unusual thing is that all across the map, you'll find New Age practices and beliefs. Yoga, psychedelic drugs, opening up your third eye, psychic healing, astral projection. They're all recommended as methods to discover and be a part of this great awakening. Now, when I look at that map, to me, it almost feels like a a counterfeit uh, biblical prophecy timeline. When we look at uh, our timelines of prophecy, we have this beautiful demonstration of God working throughout salvation history from the time of Daniel through to the end times. And this is basically trying to do the same thing trying to explain all these world events throughout human history and what it will culminate towards. But it's incorrect. It's a false or counterfeit um, chart. And notice again, there is no mention of the great controversy. There's no mention of God, no mention of Satan, no mention of Sabbath, no mention of a test of end time worship, of faith. Anything to do with Seventh-day Adventist beliefs and doctrines is completely, not only absent, but runs in complete contradiction with such beliefs. And has this worked? Has this counterfeit that Satan has tried to spread worked? Well, in January 2021, an American poll found that 20% of white evangelical Christians believed either mostly or completely in the message of QAnon. 27% of evangelical Christians in America. Nearly a third, nearly a third believed in QAnon, which again is identical to Ike's. And Ike, we found, had demonic origins. An October 2020 survey found that number to be 50% of evangelical Christians agreeing or strongly agreeing with QAnon beliefs. 50%. And yet QAnon is inherently attached to the Great Awakening and reptiles running the world and all sorts of crazy ideas. Um, A Huffington Post article was documenting the challenges that QAnon has had on families and how it separated children from their parents and the negative influences it had. And oddly enough, one of the families featured was a Seventh-day Adventist family in which the mother began listening to conspiracy theories. In particular, she was listening to Alex Jones, who is a close friend and collaborator with David Icke. She was basically listening to David Icke. This young girl described her mother as becoming obsessed with Trump as a messianic figure and distancing herself from her family because they did not believe the same as her. This was a Seventh-day Adventist family in which the mother of this and the father had both been estranged from their children because they had been listening to David Icke and QAnon. Of course, probability-wise, it's probably likely to say that many Christians and many Adventists were present at the January 6th Capitol riot and probably some at our Australian protests that again were organised by a QAnon group based in Germany. 
there's been a hybridization of the Christian faith with these beliefs. This photo is from the Capitol riots. It's a picture of Jesus. He's wearing a MAGA hat, which um, I'm not a big fan of Jesus being used as a poster child for any political party. I think it's a bit unusual. But in the very bottom, you'll see a little blue bit of text. I've zoomed it up for you. It's still a bit difficult to see, but it says WWG1WGA, which stands for Where We Go One, We Go All. That is the slogan of the QAnon movement. Where we go one, we go all. And apparently Jesus is a QAnon supporter. Jesus is trying to get rid of the reptiles and the deep state. Jesus is going with us as we raid the American Capitol building to put Trump back in office. Uh, You'll see plenty of Facebook posts similar to this one. Uh, Jesus hugging a little child with the hashtag Save the Children. Save the Children was another slogan used by the QAnon movement to try and raise awareness of these children supposedly being kidnapped and tortured underground by politicians. Uh, Jesus cares about the children. Jesus is a QAnon supporter, isn't he? And there are many, many more posts like this all over the internet. Jesus is being perverted to be a part of a false gospel. His face, his image, his message is being co-opted by this idea. So even if we realize it or not, whether we've consciously encountered it or unconsciously, Many of us are being affected by such ideas. Even if we've never heard of QAnon, you've never heard of Trump, you've never heard of Ike, the ideas that we are engaging with online and speaking with people, that's the, these are the sources, these are the origin points of these. And just in closing, I want to say, I find it unusual that so many Adventists are preoccupied with secret, secret uh, cabals and societies what globalists and bankers and the UN are doing, to all towards this idea. Again, the goal has always been to create a one-world government. The only problem is this is not what SDA theology teaches. First of all, the mark of the beast is enforced worship enacted by papal Rome and America, or apostate Protestantism. We find nothing here of bankers or globalists, Perhaps they play some sort of secondary role, but they are certainly not the primary characters and they are certainly not something that John has revealed to us in his revelation. And finally, when we look at the statue of Daniel 2, it predicts the rise and fall of nations through to the end time and it finishes with the feet of the iron and the clay. And Daniel says that these nations will never again unite under one government as did the empires of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome. And we understand the ten toes of the statue to be the ten divided nations of Europe following the fall of the Roman Empire. Now, if the globalists or the reptilians were successful in creating a one world government, this would include Europe. Europe would be joined together politically. The iron and the clay would cleave to one another. This would falsify the prophecy of Daniel 2. But we know that this is not possible. Daniel 2 stands in opposition to the idea of there being one political entity that runs the entire world. 
Even if people are planning that, Daniel 2 says that they are destined to fail, just as everyone who has tried to unite Europe or unite the world under one political banner has always failed. And this has been our understanding as Seventh-day Adventists since our beginning. This is from Uriah Smith's foundational book, Daniel and Revelation. He says, with Rome fell the last of the world's universal empires. Heretofore, so prior to this, it was impossible for one nation rising superior to its neighbours in prowess, bravery and the science of war, pardon me, to consolidate them into one vast empire. So prior to Babylon, this had never been seen before, that you could make a global empire. But when Rome fell, such possibilities forever passed away. The iron was mixed with the clay and lost the power of cohesion. No man or combination of men can again consolidate the fragments. So he begins by saying, Rome was the last. Babylon was the first. Rome was the last. Never again will we see a universal empire as we did with Rome. Daniel 2 stands against this very idea. And yet we seem to be preoccupied in looking to what secret groups are trying to fulfill this aim. Again, even if they are trying, Daniel 2 says that they will fail. So to conclude, I have two questions. Why is it that Satan would instigate such ideas or counterfeit gospels as we read in Galatians 1? I think there are many. Um, One, it diverts attention away from him. Notice again, Satan is not present in any of these theories or ideas. Instead, the focus is, what are the politicians doing? What are people doing in secret in the shadows? No regard is given to what Satan is doing. It diverts attention away from God. Again, God is absent from these ideas. If Satan can can get people to lose focus from God and pay attention to him, they are very susceptible to whatever he may put in front of them. Thirdly, it diverts the church's attention away from our mission. Our mission is to preach the gospel and the three angels' message, which includes worship God, do not worship Satan and his beastly powers. Our message is not wake up to what the politicians are doing, wake up to what the bankers are doing, wake up to what the reptiles are doing. Our message is worship God, give glory to him. It can divide the church and hinder its mission. It's very easy for us as church members to not agree on such topics. And while we're busy fighting amongst ourselves or building up the church after we have had that conflict, we've wasted time that we could have done preaching the gospel together. It creates distrust. John Bradshaw recently gave a very good explanation on this topic. Uh, John Bradshaw of It Is Written Ministries. He said, if you believe theories such as this and then speak with your pastor and your pastor says, I don't agree with that, you'll eventually question him and think, why does he not believe it? Is he in on this conspiracy? Is he part of the problem? And then you distrust your church leadership. You distrust your conference, your union, whatever it may be. You distrust the church and eventually many people will leave it due to a lack of trust in church leaders. 
So causing distrust is another area. And finally, Satan is out to look and find who he can deceive. If he can deceive even the elect, he will do that. Anyone who's willing to listen to him, he will deceive. One of his latest inventions to do that, uh, the likes of people such as David Icke, such as the QAnon movement, and many of the ideas that filter down from them. If he can draw anyone into it, whether it's by getting you interested in New Age beliefs, or whether it's just distracting you from Jesus and the message of the three angels, he's more than happy to do that. Why does he do this? Frankly, there's no reason for him not to. He has so much to gain by taking our focus away from an SDA worldview and an understanding of prophecy and end time events and instead pointing us to distractions. Satan is out to deceive, distract, divert and cause distrust. And I hope it's clear as well that although we have spoken in passing about things related to covid and we've spoken in passing of uh, things such as the vaccine, I really want to make it clear this is not a sermon about the vaccine. It is not, not a commentary on whether to or not to. I'm less concerned about what we put into our bodies physically, more so what are we putting into our hearts and minds spiritually. What messages, what gospels, are we putting into us? That's the most important thing. That's what I care about. What are we spiritually putting into ourselves? Is it the things which Satan wants to use to distract us? Is it a counterfeit gospel or is it a true gospel? Satan is seizing the opportunity to do these things, distract, tempt, uh, deceive, cause distrust, whatever he can. And he'll continue to invent new counterfeits. This won't be the last. It's certainly not the first. He'll continue to do it. So what do we need to do to be on guard? Well, we need to spend, be spending a lot of time in God's word to discern the truth. In particular, we need to be more than ever students of Bible prophecy. We need to know the books of Daniel and Revelation inside out, back to front. And we need to be studying as well what Ellen White has to tell us because she has a lot that is instructive to us to prepare for the end times. I want to encourage you as well. It's not an easy, it's, certainly, it's a difficult challenge trying to discern truth from error. There are so many voices. It is, it is hard. It is very, very difficult to know what is right, what is wrong, who to trust, who to not trust. It's not an easy task, and I don't want to make it out as though it is. So if you do encounter some information or a theory or an idea from someone, and you're unsure of how it aligns, talk to someone else about it. That's really what we have the church for. That's one of the reasons. The church is here to keep each other accountable, to draw from the wisdom of other people around us, and when we talk and discuss these ideas with each other, we'll be able to have a better understanding of whether this is true. But I want to encourage you again, if you have questions, I'm happy to talk about it. Talk to someone you trust in our congregation. Don't do it alone. It's so easy for us to be ensnared and trapped when we do things alone. 
And finally, we need to keep busy doing the work of God. If we're not being idle and we're busy preaching the three angels' message, Satan has no opportunity to distract you with a counterfeit one. I want to conclude just by reading Galatians 3, chapter 1. Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? He says to the Galatians, why are you being so foolish? Why have you left the gospel that I entrusted to you so soon? I pray that we would not be foolish Galatians. Let's not be foolish Adventists either. Rather than substitute the light that has been given to us with the the thinkings of of fallible men or even from uh, worse origins, let's instead hold fast to the doctrines and the prophecy that has been gifted to our church. Let's hold fast to the gospel and the great controversy. As we said, the great controversy is sufficient to answer all problems of evil. So let's hold fast to it. And most importantly, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and focus our mission on proclaiming him and him crucified.